Let's begin with a prayer. Father, we do thank you for your, your goodness to us, and we thank you that you have brought us here. And um, a time of, of prayer and worship. And uh, we give the time to you and ask you to use it in our lives, into the deepest parts of our lives. Amen. You know, our, our lives and our choices are pretty much determined by our preferences, uh, things we like and dislike, things we, we uh, find attractive uh, that draw us there. And that's perfectly, no, perfectly normal, that we are drawn to the things that, that attract us, drawn to the things that, that appeal to us, and that is, that's totally normal. Um, I missed most of the halftime show at, uh, during the Super Bowl uh, because, well, I, I, I appreciate that it was a spectacular. I, I can appreciate the talent of Usher and the other guys that were there and, the, and, and Alicia Keys I do like. But, uh, but to be honest, it's not my preference. It's not my thing. And so I kind of missed most of the halftime show, didn't really stay in around and watch it. It's okay. Uh, my music is a little bit different. Um, the best music from American culture was in the 60s and the 70s. We all know that. And uh, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a barista at 10 Speed. She's just a couple years out of high school, uh, but she's an old soul. And uh, she always plays music from the 60s and 70s. And even this week, I was having coffee with Bob, and, and he perks up and he goes, Jefferson Airplane. This is great music, you know, and I said, yeah, Jamie's here this morning, you know, and sure enough, she was, she was there playing the music. That's, that's just normal. It's just natural that we are, we are attracted to those things, but the thing is that the things that we're not attracted to, the things that we're not really sure about, they open the deeper things in our hearts a lot of times, and they actually, the things that don't appeal to us can also kind of teach us the most profound lessons, um, things that we, we're gravitated to things we like, and avoid things we dislike, but the things that we dislike sometimes open up our deepest hearts, our deepest parts of our soul, and reveal some of the, the, um, the deepest desires of our soul. And <clears throat> we, apply, we apply this kind of reaction to our faith as well. Uh, we read parts of the Bible that we like. Uh, we memorize the verses that we like, that are encouraging to us. Uh, when we do the Psalms here, we usually do kind of the happy songs. We love the Psalms to memorize those, and they're, they're meaningful to us. We, we love Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. We like that scene of the countryside and the relaxing in the field and the encouragement and stuff. And, but we avoid those, those psalms that mirror back to us the messiness and the, the, the brokenness and the, the world and what we see about ourselves, and we don't like those quite as much as we like the Psalm 23. And the same thing with, with our worship services. We want upbeat music. We want happy music. We want, we want sermons that, that inspire us, or we want sermons that will lift our spirits. And those are the kind of things we preference. But at the same time, we, there are things that we need to do and say and think about that open up the deepest parts of our soul. And so once a year, once a year we do a lament service at the beginning of Lent. And, uh, and people go, ah, I'm not so sure I like that. I, you know, I want to be upbeat. But I think it's important for the people of God to deal with some of these things and deal with the Psalms that aren't quite as happy and, and cheery and comforting as maybe some of the others. Uh, St. John Cassian of the 4th century, he said, the Psalms carry in them all the feelings of which human nature is capable. 
That's what the Psalms are for, and they, they, they demand that we engage into them. It covers all of our moods and all of our conditions, and some of them bring comfort, but some of them also reflect the wrong that is in the world and the wrong what's wrong with us. Uh, it reminds us sometimes about how we judge others. It reminds us of the harsh words or the vengeance. It reminds us of the injustice in the world or the suffering of powerless people. And so we have this tendency to go to the things we are attracted to, but we need to overcome those sometimes and, and look for things that maybe unveil stuff that's in our hearts that will promote us or provoke us into holiness. Uh, we like to hear things that, that make us feel like we're somehow virtuous and superior, and we don't like the things that make us feel like we're not so great. Uh, when we read the Exodus story, we identify with the Israelites, the oppressed people, and we never identify with the Egyptians. As some people sometimes do the oppressing. And the Psalms kind of do this, and lament is, is one way we do this. Uh, lament is simply embracing our vulnerability, and that's why we do it. And the fact is, whether we like it or not, vulnerable people are the ones who grow. People who embrace their vulnerability, who know they're vulnerable, they're the ones who grow. Um, it's okay that this may not be your preference, a lament service. That's perfectly fine. But hopefully this service will start to unveil some of those deepest desires in our soul that we don't really deal with very much. So lament is simply embracing our vulnerability, recognizing that we are vulnerable and that we are called to, to have faith and trust in something bigger than ourselves. So as we introduce the service, I just want to mention five things quickly, uh, what we should know about lament. First of all, lament is a form of praise. They say that two-thirds of the Psalms are laments, okay? But the title, that the Hebrew title of, the, of the, the book, of the collection of Psalms, is Telahim, which means praise. And you're thinking, okay, well, how can praise and complaints be the same thing? Well, that's partly because of our English language. We kind of see, see complaints and laments sort of almost synonymous, but that's not true in the Hebrew world. When the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they complained, okay? That's a complaint. They, they shook their fist at God, and he said, he's trying to kill us. They try to paint their rescuer as the villain, and that's complaining. They were maligning the character of God. Well, a lament is different. A lament is a plea. While complaining maligns the character of God, lament is a plea based on the confidence of the character of God. Huge difference, huge difference there. So we can lament and it still be praised because it is depending on the character of God. It's not complaining, it's a plea, asking based on God's unfailing love, his unfailing justice, his unfailing righteousness, the fact that he fulfills his promises. A complaint, a complaint is different. Complaint maligns his character. Lament affirms it. Lament is a proof of a relationship. It proves our relationship. The whole basis of these lament psalms is based on the covenant that God made with Israel and the covenant that he makes with us. It is based on really, he called, when he made a covenant with Israel, he called Israel his firstborn. 
It is based on a covenant. It's not, the lament is not some plea at some distant God way out there hoping that he hears us. That's Baal. You might remember the story of Baal. They're the, they're the prophets who danced around cutting themselves, trying to get this distant God to at least hear them so that he at least does something. But this is based on a relationship that we have with God, a covenant relationship, a parent-child relationship. Children feel confident to go into our bedrooms in the middle of the night if they have a nightmare because of that relationship of the parent-child. A child has the confidence to wake us up in the mornings because they want breakfast because of this relationship of a parent-child. Uh, you may have heard the story of a book from a book called uh, Adopted for Life by Russell Moore where he visited a, a, an orphanage in the Soviet Union, in the old days of the Soviet Union. And he said in the orphanage there was a nursery there and it was perfectly silent. None of the babies were crying. And he said it wasn't because they had all their needs met. It was just the opposite. They had learned that crying doesn't help. That there was nobody there to care so they didn't cry. The thing is that, that a confident child... Who is, who is confident in their caregiver, they cry. And that's what we have here. We have children in Israel who, who are confident in their caregiver, and so they cry. They cry out to the Father. Lament is a prayer for God to act. Prayer is not passive. It is asking God to do something. It is a lament that's not just venting our frustrations, even though that can be very therapeutic. I, okay, I, I think that's a, sometimes a good thing to do. But it's not that. It's not just venting our frustrations. It's, it's not passive. It's petition for God to act. And the New Testament even carries that even further. When Jesus tells, teaches his disciples how to pray, he is praying that God will act, but also he invites us to act with him to be a part of the inauguration of the arrival of the kingdom of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God. He invites us to, to be part of that. It is, it's, it's prayerful imagination that we are invited to be a part of it. N.T. Wright says, when we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, then somehow God is praying within us for the pain that is around us. And I think when Paul begins his letters with these prayers, we kind of gloss over them sometimes, thinking that, oh, this is just a preamble to, his, to what he really wants to say. But those prayers are so important because he understands that the, the people where they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit are praying with God, and God is somehow praying with us, he says in Romans, somehow, for the pain that is around us. So... Lament is also a participation in the pain of others. Uh, the evangelical types, like us in our church, we think that spontaneous prayers are the only real prayers. Things that we say off the top of our head or say out of, and those are, those are great, great. And we kind of avoid the written prayers. And yet, prayers have been prayed, written prayers have been prayed by the churches, by God's people for centuries Generations after generations have prayed these written prayers, these psalms. And one of the reasons is that is that it puts us in solidarity with the rest of Christ's body. You may read it and say, hey, well, this just doesn't fit my life right now. What if I'm reading some psalm? Well, that's fine. It says it's not really good, for, it's not really adding to my devotional life. Well, guess what? Sometimes you pray just your, to develop your devotional life may not be its only objective. The other objective is to enter in with the pain of other people. 
And you say, well, my enemies haven't hemmed me in. My, hem my enemies aren't threatening me. Well, that may be true. But what about our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine or Russia or Gaza or Israel, South Sudan, Yemen, the people who are suffering under ISIS? Those are our brothers and sisters. And we can pray these things with our imagination and enter in solidarity with people who are suffering around us, not only around the world, but right here in our congregation. And you may, not, you may not be suffering some of the things that you're reading in the prayer in the Psalms, but somebody else is, and maybe somebody you know and love. And so we enter into that suffering. And when, when uh, Scott mentioned uh, Jesus' prayer on the cross, and that comes from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That prayer has been prayed by all the martyrs up to that point, and Jesus was entering in with solidarity with that suffering. He himself was suffering the same pain that the martyrs were suffering. He entered into that. Lament is a participation in the pain of others. And finally, lament is a pathway to intimacy with God. The Psalms are honest. Every emotion is toward God. It's, is rep represented in the Psalms. This is all based on the covenant that he has with God's people. And it breaks open our heart to the calling and the relationship that we have with him. It does provide a pathway to intimacy with God. It is used for that. It embraces our vulnerability when we lament. We recognize that we are vulnerable, weak people, and those reflects even the ugly parts back to us. And it provides a pathway of intimacy with God. American churches um, don't like to deal with darkness, as a rule. We like to keep the lights on at all times. We want to have lights on. We want, and I understand that. We want to come to church to get refreshed. I do too. I want to. And I'm all for that. And I'm all for emphasizing the benefits that faith brings. I'm all for the, the promoting God's presence. Uh, but what it can do is sometimes give us into a false sense of certainty that we have everything wired, that everything's fine, that God will always guide us in every step, that he will fix every problem we have, that he will answer every question, and that as a Christian, I've got to remain upbeat my entire life, and if I kind of get depressed, then I'm not a good Christian, or I'm not walking with God. And then there's a problem, because then the certainty comes in and it crashes down when darkness comes into our lives. And it all comes crashing down. It could be in our job, our marriage, our kids. And so uh, uh, we pray real hard, but God doesn't seem to be answering it. And so we begin to drift away in doubt because we are used to that. And it is so much easier to see everything in black and white. It's so much easier to live in the good and the evil, the church or the world, the spirit or the flesh, the sacred or the profane, the light and the dark. It simplifies everything. It gives us a battle to fight. Sometimes it makes us feel virtuous seeing everything in black and white like that. But I have to admit, some of the worst things that happened to my life also happened in a well-lit church. Well, -lit, churches who want to be well-lit all the time, they can bring in big crowds. But some of the worst things that's happened can happen in well-lit churches. And some of the best things that happen can happen in the darkness. Our bodies can feel deep, deep pain but they can also feel deep, deep pleasure. The world can look very, very broken, but it can also be full of wonder. 
it's just not so black and white like we think it is. I think we have to keep in mind the picture of Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok. If, uh, Genesis 32, if you want to go back and read that story, because I feel like that's what faith is. It is not just believing creeds and doctrines. It's learning to trust and, to, and, and declaring our loyalty to him. And it's a wrestling match our whole lives with God. That is more like the Christian life than anything else. Richard Rohr calls uh, defeat a, the sacrament of defeat. And we think defeat is always negative, but it can sometimes be a sacrament. How is that a sacrament? Because sometimes it leads us into the presence of God. The sacrament of defeat. So lament is a meantime prayer. It's a prayer we pray in the meantime. It's not the final thing. It doesn't end. It's what we pray in the meantime. Psalm 42 that Scott just read ends like this. Why are you so depressed, O my soul? Why are you so upset? Wait for God, for I will again give thanks for my God's saving intervention. This is what we do in the meantime. We know that because Jesus has risen, that sorrow and guilt and pain will soon be over. That is how the story ends. But in the meantime, we can lament and we can wrestle with God. And in the meantime, we will sing with the psalmist and give thanks because he has saved us. Based on the risen Christ, we know those promises are true. And so we're going to do a lament service this morning. And Kendra and her worship team is going to be leading us. And um, it may not be your preference, but I think it will unveil some of the deepest desires of our souls. It's just recognizing our vulnerability. That's all it is. Recognizing it and embracing it. So, Kendra, why don't you come on up? And... Thank you, Tommy. Um, we're going to enter into this next section of our service with a little bit of silent prayer. Um, and then we'll follow it with an instrumental um, feel free to use this time for reflection and silent prayer to articulate your laments. Um, and uh, feel free to use your bulletin to write out your thoughts if that's helpful for you. But I encourage you to just take some time to express to God that which is hurting you, um, that which is causing pain, frustration, sadness, confusion, etc. Um, as we go into this time of silent prayer, I'm going to I'm just going to read a quote that I think is really fitting. I've read it before here at Lament Services in the past, but it's just, it's so um, applicable, I think. I'll read it twice so we can chew on it. It seems right that those who are aware of their failures and of evil and injustice in the world should express grief. It demonstrates feeling, compassion, and a conviction that there is more to hope for than that which is broken and sorrowful. Mourning negates apathy towards evil. I'm going to read that one more time, this quote by Katie Litzenberg. It seems right that those who are aware of their failures 
and of evil and injustice in the world should express grief. It demonstrates feeling, compassion, and a conviction that there is more to hope for than that which is broken and sorrowful. Mourning negates apathy towards evil. Let's take about a minute in just silent prayer and reflection.
Like Tommy said, in order for a lament to take place, there must be an initial trust that God is a God who hears and cares about the suffering of his people. So in this next section of our lament service, um, we're going to voice our trust in our Heavenly Father, at this time through scripture, reflection, prayer, silence, and music. Um, feel free to stand with us and sing with us, or, or you can stay in your seat um, and just listen and let the words wash over you. This is Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. us to trust your plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the flood faithful forever perfect in love you are sovereign over us Your wisdom unimagined Who could understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Reaching down in endless grace You're the lifter of the lowly Compassionate and kind 
you surround and you uphold me. Your promises are my delight. Your promises are prosper. You have not forgotten us. With us in the fire and the flood, faithful forever, perfect in love, you are sovereign over us. Your plans are still to prosper, you have not forgotten us. With us in the fire and the flood, faithful forever, perfect in love, you are sovereign over us. Joyful end. 
You saw your dream. I saw an orphan. You were my family. I saw my frailty. You saw your mind. I saw my blindness. You were the light. You give me garments of praise. Joy, but it is mercy new every morning. Garments of praise, joy, unending mercy new every morning. I saw water, you saw the Reflect on things that are bringing us grief and 
just now we were voicing trust in God despite our circumstances of grief. Um, and now we're moving on to a section that's petitioning God for change. Throughout the Psalms, um, we see articulation of the lament um, by asking God in faith to bring about change. So we're going to spend about a minute in silent prayer asking God for change in our circumstances, and then we'll continue on with some more songs. Father God, thank you for your presence, for never leaving us or forsaking us, despite our wavering faith. Like we sang earlier, you are a faithful and loving God, and we are grateful. In times of lament, um, we are reminded things are not as they should be. And because of our trust in you, we are asking that you bring about change in our hearts and our lives, that you would redeem and heal as you are the ultimate healer. Um, but not our will, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sustain us not. I will 
resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing where these the lamb who was slain and on that day join the something that Christians do as individuals, but it is perhaps most powerful when we give it voice in the company of other believers, which is something we've been making a point to do today. Um, We as believers are called to worship in community and fellowship with one another, and that includes crying out to God in times of trouble and times of sorrow. One reason that living in community with one another as the body of Christ is important is because we can help remind one another of the faithfulness of God. We're so apt to forget God's past goodness, but if we can remind one another, we'll be able to walk forward in hope because we will expect his goodness to continue. Um, We're moving on to the next section, which is communal recognition of lament. So... um, if everyone would take the time to stand, if you are able, we're going to do a responsive reading from Psalm 77, 1 through 15. I'll sing the parts that are white, and then if you guys can read the parts that are blue. Okay, this is Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned, and meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. 
I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? His unfailing love vanish forever? Has his promise failed all time? Has God forgotten his Has he in anger felt his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, and I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Feel free to remain standing with us during this next song. mountain top looking just how far we've come knowing that for every step you were with us kneeling on this battleground seeing just how much you've done knowing that for victory your power is scars and struggles on the Our hearts can say Never once did you ever walk alone Never once did you leave us on our own You are faithful, God You are faithful You are faithful, God you are faithful Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory was your power in us Stars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Yes, our hearts can say Never once did we ever walk alone Never once did you leave us on our own You are faithful, God You are faithful You are faithful, God You are faithful Songs and struggles on the Joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say. Carried us with constant grace, held us in your perfect peace, and 
get ready to celebrate communion. It's, uh, it's kind of a, an odd thing that traditionally one of the passages that is read on the first Sunday of Lent is the uh, flood story that ends with the sign of the rainbow. And I was telling Kendra that this morning. I was just like, that's a weird passage to have read on the first Sunday of Lent. And I got to thinking about that and I thought, no, it's not actually so weird because the rainbow is this, is this sign from God that he always remembers his promises. He remembers the promise to never destroy the world by the flood. And it's a symbol, the rainbow now has become a symbol of this life, this, this promise that God made that he will always remember. And I was thinking, well, that's what the cup and the bread mean too. They are symbols that God will always remember his promises. Amen. We do it to remind ourselves. But God will always remember it. So that's why we are going to celebrate communion this, this morning. Uh, because God always remembers his promises. That because of the death and resurrection, that sins are forgiven, death is swallowed up in victory, and, uh, and guilt and shame are removed. That's why we're doing it. Uh, when our daughter got married in England, uh, Sue and I went to church at an Anglican church. And they invite everyone to, uh, to pray and light a candle. And that's not a tradition mainly in, in our churches, really. Uh, but the more we understood it, we thought this really makes a lot of sense. And so we did. We lit a candle because we were praying for my daughter entering into this marriage. And uh, we wanted to pray for her. And uh, start, started talking about why they do this. And the candles that represent light is a, is a symbol, is a reminder of the temple and the tabernacle that God commanded that they have a lamp that burns all the time, 24-7, in the temple to remind them of the presence of God. And now we light candles in our church on Sunday mornings to remind us of the presence of Christ in our, in our midst, in dwelling in our midst. 
And so if you want to, it's not a have to, but if you want to, if you would like to, we're making that available this morning, that uh, if you would like to take the light of Christ from the candle and light a prayer candle, just as a symbol of your prayers being lifted up to God in this place this morning, feel free to do that. Uh, We're going to have communion. We're going to come up and and take it by intinction. But if you have never done that before, we take the bread and you dip it in the cup. And then if you want to go light a candle, perfect. If you want to do that now and then light a candle and then come up for communion, that's perfectly fine. We just are making this available to you if you would like to do that as a symbol of your prayers being lifted up to God this morning uh, in in church. So uh, I'm going to ask Al and Lisa if you guys will come on up. And Sue, if you're going to come up and help me here. We also have uh, the kits here there. If you would rather do that and take one of these, feel free to do that. It's a bread and cup all in one. So. So I invite you to come up as the Lord leads. And, um, oh, I was going to read the passage first. I've got to set this down so I don't spill it. Just to remind ourselves of the promise. And when the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and at the apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until and fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks for it. Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes in its full. And then, I took the, then he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten and said, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Father, we are grateful for these symbols that represent your promises and we will do this until you come again and uh, to remind ourselves of what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So feel free to come up whenever, you, uh, whenever the Lord leads. Sorrows and drink them for joy from the ashes and 
bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure found. Jesus is close with a song of praise. Um, by partaking in communion, we're, we've been recognizing our brokenness and our need for Christ's redemptive work in our lives. So despite what we may feel, we're going to make a choice to offer back praise. So if you would stand with us as we close this morning with Blessed Be Your Name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. Seems of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Go walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. And to blessing you wore out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. And the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering there's pain in the offering blessed be your name every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to pray when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Give and 
and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Lord, blessed be your name You give and take away give and take away my heart will choose to say for blessed be your name oh blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your glorious name Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Thank you guys so much. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, as we live with in perfect situations this week, fill us with joyful expectations and joyous expectancy. And may our hope be contagious and spill over to the lives of the people we have in contact with this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in peace.